the That's Good From You podcast welcomes you into a dynamic conversation about faith and following King Jesus in a complex world. Join us as we grapple with difficult questions and learn to live in the tension. to the That's Good From You podcast. Today on the episode, we're asking the question, do we have the wrong gospel? Is the gospel really, did Jesus die to save me from my sins? Or are we missing something? We'll be touching on what the gospel means, what happened in those 400 years between the Old and New Testament, and how God has a crazy plan for us to participate with him in bringing the kingdom. We are back for episode two. And honestly, we didn't really believe that it was going to happen, but somehow we're here. Um, So thanks for everyone for the encouragement and the feedback. We actually had no idea that we sounded so similar (laughs) until all the people would message us and having conversations throughout the week. And they're like, jeepers, first 15 minutes screwed my mind over because you guys are the same person. And, you know, I just thought I'd let everyone know that anything smart was actually out of the mouth of Sophie and anything that was stuff. No, the smart one, Sophie, just get that into your mind. Um, (laughs) But hopefully you'll distinguish our voices as we go on further. Otherwise, Emma's going to have to put her Bogan Mount Gambier. (laughs) This is true. This is true. I'll get more country (laughs) or low. I'll just turn it down. Anyway, that's enough from that. You guys probably want the juice again, but we're going to take a slightly different approach today because, you know, when it comes to COVID and vaccines, we probably have a very uh, similar theological stance and political views, Mm. but with today's topic, not so much. Hey, Sophie. Yeah. So I did this topic as part of my uh, research for my master's and I feel like it's pretty settled for me. I did a Mm. lot of reading. I did a lot of writing. I processed all my ideas out in this like 10,000 word paper. Poof. But you <laughs> have gone back and forth on this one and we have had so many debates about Mate. it. So Emma, what is the topic and what has your view on it been growing up? <laughs> what a joke. Oh, this is um yeah, huge topic. So the topic for today is do we have the wrong gospel? And so growing up, like we're just going to dive in. Growing up for me, I was told I'm a sinner, I'm in need of a saviour and that, you know, my saviour saved my soul by dying on a cross. That was just it. We were told that at Sunday school, drew pictures about it, <laughs> coloured things in, being like, yes, Jesus died to save me from my sins. I got this a is a cheeky it. question for you. <laughs> Hit me. <laughs> Does that actually sound like good news to you? Ah, <laughs> uh, look, um, then I would have said Absolutely, because mm. apparently I was a sinner and my sin was eradicated by some guy that like died on some wood. Mm. Um, so it kind of was good news. So if that's the gospel, then like, why are we talking about this? Like, that's mm. kind of my gospel growing up. My gospel, Jeepers. <laughs> <laughs> the gospel. <laughs> why are we talking about this? Why, why is this a topic? It's a good question. So I also grew up with the same, um, I'm a sinner in need of a saviour kind of way of seeing Mm. the gospel. I think the thing for me was though, I got to a point where I was like, is that it? And that feels so bad, right? To say like, is that all there is to the gospel? Heresy bill! (laughs) We do. We need a heresy bill. (laughs) But the reason we've chosen to look at this topic is probably twofold. One, because you keep asking me the question (laughs) and we've talked about it so much. And the other reason is I kind of think we've missed something. Whoa, Mm. that's hectic. Yeah, it's true. I will continue to ask this question (laughs) until the day I die. And that's just a whole nother thing. But look, I'm honestly just confused. And I've been confused for many years. Um, (laughs) 
Because, you know, I was taught the whole Jesus died to save me from my sins thing. And we were talking about this, thinking, you know, what would people's responses be when it comes to, you know, why did Jesus come? Mm. He died to save me from my sins. That's kind of like typical answer. And that was what I had too. And so in my thinking, I was pretty pleased with that kind of, you know, couple sentence summary. I'm like, got the gospel in a nutshell. Bang. <laughs> Until um, Sophie and N.T. Wright decided to destroy my entire life and give me, you know, maybe something else mm. or not, not necessarily entirely something else, but um, something a little more. And so just got to the point where I realised that just maybe this whole gospel thing isn't just about little Emma and her sin <laughs> that was, you know, destroyed and cancelled by a guy dying. Crazy. Mm. Um, but look, two years ago, um, this whole conversation that we're about to have, I would have been like, nope, that is straight up heresy. I don't want to hear it again. You are dangerous for saying that. Um, and then journeying through that with a lot of tears and a lot of arguments, um, I'd say a year ago, I was probably like, okay, this is kind of settling in me a little bit more, but perhaps this is just a convincing argument. It's kind of coming out of the blue, a bit confused still. And so then coming to today, I'd say I'm like pretty settled with where this conversation is at. Mm. Um, although I'm still not fully <laughs> sold, which will be helpful for this conversation with people coming from many different backgrounds and areas yeah. and ways of thinking, um, kind of seeing where you sit, whether you're, you know, not whether it's more on Sophie's side or my side, <laughs> but just like, okay, you're getting the perspectives and the heart behind, yeah, yeah all perspectives. So look, Sophie, mm. why has the gospel just been boiled down to Jesus died on a cross to save me from my sins? Like where has this come from and why have we been taught that this is the mm. center point of all of it? I don't want to dismiss the cross. The cross is so central. It's, <laughs> it is the climax of the story of Jesus. So we're not, yeah. not taking away from that at all. All I want to say is it's not all there is to the story. Jesus' life is and Jesus' life, death, resurrection, ascension. There's so much more to his story than just his death. Mm-hmm. And so growing up, I heard sermons, Christmas sermons, in fact, that were literally titled, Jesus was born to die to save us from our sin. Mm. So we talked about his birth and we talked about his death, but the reason for his birth was his death. And right. I just... There's just so much of his life in the Mm. Gospels, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'm like, what are we missing out on? Also, Emma and I both grew up in Lutheran churches. (laughs) And we would, at least in in my Lutheran church, I don't know about yours, but we would say the Apostles' Creed, like, all the time. And in the Apostles' Creed, it says, we believe in Jesus, who was born of the Virgin Mary, Mm -hmm. suffered under Pontius Pontius Pilate, Pilate, was was crucified, crucified, dead, and buried. buried. Mm. So we've gone from Jesus' birth. He was born of a virgin, the mother Mary, mm-hmm. and he was crucified and raised again. What happened to his life in there? We've just completely missed. Wait, he had a life? Yeah, right. That's blowing my mind. I know, but there's, there's like the majority of the gospels are actually on mm. his life and his ministry. Mm-hmm. And so what does it say if we're missing all of that out? So why then did we end up with this whole born to die mentality? Like how do we get mm-hmm. here and why are we choosing to ignore Jesus' life, yeah, like just these, you know, all of 33 life. years of yeah. his life-ish. I mean, the, my cheeky answer is that it preaches well. <laughs> so, like, Jesus was born to die to save you from your sin is Dang. a pretty great 
sermon. It's right? good for a one-liner. Yeah, like myself, it. love a good pocket one-liner to just throw out. So that's helpful. Yeah, you're a classic one-liner lover. Mm-hmm. Uh, another couple of reasons. I mean, if we wanted to get church history on this, the reformers in the 1500s emphasized Jesus' death mm. uh, to correct a narrative of the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And so they were trying to correct a teaching, but I wonder, did we swing the pendulum too far and we've gone, it's just about Jesus' death and his life doesn't matter. Interesting. The other thing I would say, and this one's a little bit more nerdy, is that we also have more access to resources than we've ever had before. The Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in the 1900s. We didn't have these ancient documents Mm. before. And so we're actually able to understand the world of Jesus better because there's been archaeological discoveries and we now have access to them. So there's probably a lot of other reasons, but they're the few that come to mind for why we've reduced this down to Jesus was just born to die. Mm, For sure. So if we're talking that, you know, Jesus is born to die, that's the gospel. We're talking about this word gospel, but what does the word gospel mean? Like, where does it come from? What is the gospel? Yeah, such an important question. So we're saying that for a long time, the word gospel has been defined as Jesus' death on the cross for the salvation of all people Mm -hmm. so that they can go to heaven when they die. Classic. And that is certainly part of the Christian story. Mm -hmm. We're not saying it isn't, although... I might choose to phrase it slightly differently than that. And we'll probably talk about that in another podcast episode. But the point is, yes, Jesus' death on the cross is vital. Uh It is a core part of the Christian faith. Yes. It's actually just not what the word gospel is referring to. Crazy. I know. So dropping a little bit of a bomb here. But the word gospel, or it's sometimes translated good news in our English translations Uh of the Bible, is the Greek word euangelion. Evangelion, yeah. uh, and it's where we get our English words um, evangelical mm-hmm. or evangelist. But the word euangelion is actually not a Bible word. Crazy. Like the gospel writers mm-hmm. didn't invent the word yeah. to talk about something Jesus was doing. Yeah. It was actually a common word that was used in first century Greco-Roman world. <laughs> Tell us about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a pretty fun story. So the euangelion historically was used to describe the good news of a king's victory in battle. Mm -hmm. So two nations would be at war with one another. And when the war was over and the enemy had been defeated, the king or the commanding officer would send messengers from the battlefield with the good news into towns and villages that the king has been victorious, that the enemy had been overcome, that our king reigns and we are now living in a new kingdom under a new king's Mm. rule and reign. And so the euangelion, the gospel, the good news was the proclamation yeah. or the announcement that a new king was in charge. <laughs> mm. So what then, if we're talking first century context, what mm. then is the Christian gospel? Like, what is yeah. the good news? That's a good question. Because yes. what I just explained was the good news just mm-hmm. in general life, like totally. for everyone, Jews, yep. Gentiles, everyone. Uh-huh. The thing is, though, Jesus then comes on the scene. And he knows this context and he knows what the word kingdom is going to conjure up in these people's minds. Mm -hmm. And then that's the exact word that he uses to describe what he's going to do. Crazy. So cheeky of Jesus. Yeah. So Mark 1, 14 to 15 is a great place to go for this. Mark says, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And you know what we're about to get that you'll love? A one-liner definition of what the good news is. Hey, 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 let's go. So Jesus says, (laughs) the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Mm-hmm. Repent and believe the good news. And so the good news for Jesus is that God's kingdom has come near in mm-hmm. himself mm-hmm. and that we are now living under God's rule and reign. And for Jesus, that is good news. Mm. And what really fascinates me is this. Jesus comes announcing that God's kingdom has come. The good news is here. 
Uh-huh. Right now. Right now. It's happened. He's entered. Yep. Jesus hasn't died yet. <laughs> and I think Christians have often thought that the kingdom comes through Jesus' death and resurrection. Yep. But here Jesus is announcing that the kingdom has come, that Already. our God reigns mm. before his death and resurrection. He says that actually him arriving on the scene is what is bringing the kingdom. And so the gospel is not Jesus came to die to save me from my sin. <laughs> that sounds like I received for I today. Know. But the gospel is Jesus is king. Yes. Kanye got it right. <laughs> and God's kingdom has arrived. Mm. Now, we're not talking about salvation yet, and I'm not dismissing salvation. No. We'll get there in a minute. What we're talking about is king and kingdom. There Mm -hmm. is a new king in town and we are living under his rule. So Jesus is this new king in town, Mm. but this kind of king was not the king that people were expecting. First century context. Mm. What kind of king were these, were the the people expecting? Yeah, such a good question. So if you had have asked an Old Testament Jew living kind Mm -hmm. of around the time of the prophets, they would have said they were waiting for a Messiah, a king. Uh They probably also would have said that they were waiting for a suffering servant. And in their Mm. minds, this idea of a king and a suffering servant couldn't go together because a king couldn't serve. Totally. So the prophets give us this uh, little bit of a glimpse of the kind of king. Mm -hmm. But then something happens in this weird 400-year gap between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. So the people of God are living under foreign rule and basically under occupation, we would Mm -hmm. call it today. Mm -hmm. It's not a good time. And a whole bunch of things happen with the rise of Alexander the Great and the Greeks come and take over and it's just a crazy time in history. There's a guy who's running kind of the Greek, like the empire of the Greeks in Jerusalem, and he does some pretty horrendous stuff to the Jews. He, um, the, probably the worst thing he does, if you know anything about Judaism, you'll know that some animals are clean and some are not. Mm. He goes into the Holy of Holies in the temple and he erects an altar to the Greek god Zeus and he sacrifices a pig on it. Bruh. Now, if you <laughs> want to make the Jews angry, you have just Go done on. like yeah. the one thing that you should not do. Like no one's allowed to go into the Holy of Holies except a priest once a year, the high priest. And the and, old mate does. <laughs> and yeah, this guy does. And pigs are the most unclean right. animal totally. in the Jewish mm-hmm. faith. So he's literally just offended them in the worst way possible. And so there's an uprising, a Jewish uprising. Mm-hmm. And this guy called Judas Maccabeus. Judas. His, uh, his like, Maccabeus means the hammer, which I always think would be a great, like, WWF kind of wrestling name. <laughs> just such a great name in history. <laughs> Judas the Hammer Maccabees. So great. <laughs> Sorry, just uh, made Emma lose it. Anyway, (laughs) this guy leads uh, the charge and they end up throwing the Greeks out of Jerusalem. Mm. Amazing. This is like military victory for the Jews. It's the first time in a really long time that they have control over their own temple, their own Mm -hmm. land. Mm -hmm. Really amazing. The crazy thing is Judas Maccabeus rides into Jerusalem on a war horse on the 25th of December to shouts of Hosanna mm. and waving of palm branches. What does this sound and if like? if that sounds familiar to you from something that happened in the life of Jesus, it should. Right. So yep. by the time of Jesus, there's quite a few different things people are expecting that mm-hmm. this Messiah or this King is going to be. Mm-hmm. But one of the key things is that they're expecting he's going to come in military might. Yeah. He's going to come with an army. Totally. He's going to overthrow the Roman Empire mm-hmm. and the Jews are once again going to have freedom and they're going to be able to live as God's people in God's land Jesus is not what they were expecting. He what does a not joke. do that. Seriously, if you were a Jew living in the first century, oh. why would you think that Jesus was the king? Seriously. Because he doesn't do what you're not expecting. Like Jesus is born into a poor family. Mm-hmm. He is raised in Nazareth, for goodness sake. And throughout the Gospels, you hear people saying like, what kind of good can come out of Nazareth? Like out of all the places. Mm-hmm. He who was um, called and claimed as king. Mm. came from these dirty, Mm. gross places, which no good can come from. And 
Um, so I guess we can ask the question, well, then what kind of king was mm. Jesus and mm. what kind of kingdom was he ushering in? Yeah, it's a really good question. So if we, we need to actually stop and think about the kind of king that God is, not just the kind of king that Jesus is. And mm. um, the way we do that is we look back to the Old Testament. And this is why the Old Testament's important. We don't want to ignore it because mm-hmm. we look at the Old Testament and we get a sense of God's character. We get a sense mm. of the kind of God that he is and the kind of king he's going to be. Mm-hmm. And we see right throughout the Old Testament that God is in the business of saving and redeeming and restoring his people. And like particularly in the Exodus, we see God rescue or save or redeem his people out of slavery. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, that's exactly the kind of kingdom that God is going to establish and the kind of kingdom that we're invited into. Mm. So the kingdom is a place of restoration, of peace, of flourishing, um, of the redemption of people and of Mm -hmm. the reconciliation of people back to God and to one another. And so you might ask me, well, where does salvation fit? This is the question everyone wants to know. Where does salvation fit? And I would say right here. If it's right here in the kingdom, God is in the business of saving Mm -hmm. and redeeming his people. And so, of course, salvation is core to what the kingdom is on about. It's it's just not what the good news means, and it's not the full story. And it doesn't just happen on the cross. That's right. Yeah, it happens through Jesus' life, mm-hmm. uh, even his his birth, his life. Yeah, definitely his death and resurrection. Yeah, and also through his ascension and the sending of the Holy Spirit. So Absolutely. it's just that the story is a lot bigger and a lot more full than mm. the one event of Jesus' death on the cross. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, the last couple of years of thinking about this, like mm. it just feels like it's coming out of nowhere. It feels so far left. Um, you know, that everything I've believed mm. till this point has just been thrown out the window. I'm like, okay, what's this whole kingdom and king talk about? Like, where has mm. this come from? Because I thought, you know, the Gothel was just like the whole Jesus death cross thing. But now you're saying that the king has come, he's ushering in a kingdom, that this mm. is the gospel message. Yeah. But like, why this kingdom talk now? Like, mm. I'm more likely to believe this kind of way of thinking um, isn't heretical if I'd actually <laughs> heard it in history. <laughs> Like, it just doesn't seem like it's coming up throughout centuries and centuries of like this King Kingdom talk. I'm like, where is this kind of language coming from? Seems more believable if I'd heard it in, you know, the past and carried on until now. Yeah, it's a really fair question. Uh, If I want to be kind to the church throughout history, I don't always, but if I'm going to be kind today, probably the way I would say it is that the church has emphasized different parts of the story of Jesus throughout the centuries. Now, part of the problem is that we, or I might say you, because you you don't like reading, (laughs) we in general don't like reading. Very few people want to sit down and spend their time reading sources that were written in the Middle Ages about who Jesus is in Latin. Like, who wants to do that? No one's doing that except, like, nerds in Bible colleges like me. Yeah, I was like, so Gary. (laughs) I would do that. Yeah, you would. So... Uh, my first answer that, to that question is we don't actually know what the church has said throughout the centuries yeah. because who's reading what the church has said throughout the centuries about <laughs> not Jesus? Us, yeah, <laughs> not you. But in each century, the church has emphasized different things in reaction to something that was going on at the time. So there might have been a false teaching going mm-hmm, on in the mm-hmm. church or there may have been a seemingly unhelpful or maybe even evil movement happening in culture. And so the church has reacted to that. Sure. Yep. So we see this, for example, in the Reformation. So during the 1500s, Luther, boy, Luther, <laughs> Calvin, Zwingli, there's this massive reaction against the teaching of yep. the Catholic church and they yep. overemphasize certain parts of the story mm-hmm. in order to correct the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. We also see this during the Enlightenment with the advancements happening in science and philosophy and politics. And so throughout history, we've seen an overemphasis on certain parts of the story, and then other parts have been given less time and attention. Mm. The good news for me is, because I love learning, that what's happened in biblical studies over the last 30 to 50 years is that academics have said, 
let's stop. Like, let's just stop asking 19th century questions and giving 16th century answers. And you might think, what does that mean? Mm. Basically, they're saying, let's stop asking enlightenment questions Mm -hmm. and giving reformation answers. Mm. Instead, let's go back to the Bible and Mm -hmm. understand what was going on in the first century, understanding what Jesus was saying in his own terms, and then let that speak into our 21st century world. Mm -hmm. And in the first century context, as we've discussed, king and kingdom was the way Jesus defined the gospel. So I think we're on pretty good, safe ground if we're using Jesus' definition. Mm. So this in no way diminishes Jesus' work on the cross. It's so core to the Christian faith. It's just not how Jesus defines the word gospel. Mm. And so we're not being heretical, or at least at this point in my life, I'm going to say, I don't think I'm being heretical. You might think it. I thought it. Yeah, Emma's thought it, and you can think it too. Yeah, permission. Yeah, permission to to think that I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. Do it. But I don't think I'm saying anything dodgy. We're simply going back to the Bible and asking, how did Jesus understand what he was on about and what he came to do? And Mm -hmm. how do we let that shape our understanding, not what's happened in the last 500 years in church history? That is brilliant from you. Good from you, some would say. Yeah. (laughs) So if Jesus is king, Mm. if he is ushered in this kingdom that looks like peace and justice and and love and forgiveness and all these beautiful things, then why does the world still suck and look like that just isn't (laughs) happening in all the places, you know? Yeah, that is a really fair question. Like you could look around the world at all of the things that are going on, the violence, the starvation, Mm. like just all of the horrible things that exist in our world and go, it does not look like the kingdom is here. Right. And I mean, I've, I've definitely thought that at different times. Theologians have a fun way of getting around this. Um, and they talk about something that's titled the now, but not yet of the kingdom. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a way of mm. saying that Jesus came and he ushered in the kingdom, but it's not fully here yet. It's going to be fully consummated when he comes back again to set all things right. And in the meantime, the church and Christians exist to live out the kingdom values, to bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven so that we can see the kingdom advance on earth. Mm. Um, And so we've already mentioned N.T. Wright or Tom Wright, but he's one of my favorite Bible scholars. He's who I did my master's project on, his theology and his um, Bible Mm. biblical studies. And he puts it this way, and I think this is really helpful. He says, for Jesus... The kingdom was not coming in one single move. So Jesus didn't imagine that the kingdom was going to come just Mm -hmm. in his death or just in his birth. It came in stages of which his public career was one of those stages. His death and resurrection was another stage. Mm. And there's still a future stage that we're waiting for when he comes back again. And so Jesus is king. The kingdom has arrived in its maybe not in its fullness yet Mm. and the beautiful thing is that we are invited to join and participate and work for the building of the kingdom on earth and I think um, maybe the church throughout history has sometimes missed that that's the calling of the church to work for the kingdom and so if we see war going on if we see violence in the world if we see starvation that actually Mm -hmm. the church has been called to be a kingdom presence in those Uh places and so we need to jump on board and participate in those sorts of things that bring justice and flourishing and wholeness and peace to people right and so you'd say what is the kingdom because i'm like oh Mm. we're talking about this kingdom Mm. thing and ushering the kingdom and god's rule in this kingdom and i'm like what's the kingdom Just just a question. What is the kingdom? What is that? Yeah. So, I mean, the simple way of putting it, which doesn't really give us the answer I think you're looking for, but it is God's rule and reign. 
Mm. And so again, we've got to go back to what kind of God is he? Well, he's a God of justice. He's a Uh God of peace. He's a God of love. He's a God of salvation. And so then the kingdom is a place of justice, peace, love, Mm, salvation, salvation. and all of those kinds of things. And so uh, we don't necessarily see that fully on earth now. Like Mm -hmm. I was saying, we get to see glimpses of it, Mm. but we don't see it in all of its fullness. But the the um, task of the church, the task of people who follow Jesus is to live out those things in their time and place to help bring the kingdom on earth. And so the kingdom is a place of all the things God's on about Mm -hmm. and Christians are invited to be that kingdom presence in the world, to incarnate or to be Jesus' hands and feet in the world. To spot where the kingdom is Mm. being ushered and to not just kind of see it and try and find it, but Mm. to be it too. Because I just have this picture of... um, Okay, going to be classic Christian and just like go to a Narnia reference yes, right yes, now. We love Narnia. I have not read the book because I'm not a reader as we found out, but the movie's grand, right? Um, but this idea that springtime is coming up, like mm. Narnia is fallen with this curse and it is winter. Mm. And then you start to see glimpses or that at least, you know, the children, mm. they start to see glimpses of springtime and the ice begins to melt away and they start to see, you know, flowers mm. bloom and they're just mm. spotting these glimpses of springtime. And soon it turns to summer because Aslan is on the move, ain't yes. he just? But it's this idea of the kingdom, us being able to see glimpses of springtime, glimpses of the kingdom, where the kingdom is being ushered in, where it has already been ushered in and where we can participate yes. in um, it to, you know, bring out more of its fullness. Yeah. So I think I think the Narnia like, analogy or imagery is perfect for this mm. because there is a slow season change between winter and spring. Right. And then it, it does speed up towards the end. Yeah. But it does give us this sense of we're going to see glimpses of the uh-huh. kingdom here and now, but we're not going to see it in all its fullness until yep. Jesus comes back to put everything right and to usher in fully the kingdom of peace and justice. Yeah. But until that point, we can lean on the, the kind of character yes. of God that he is a just God, that mm. he is a God of peace and a God mm. of love, a God of forgiveness, a God of salvation, mm. um, a God of community and flourishing. Mm. So we can lean on that, see where that's at work and yes. um, hope and wait in anticipation mm. that it's happening right now, but it's also not yet fully here. Yeah. And I find myself quite often lamenting and longing for the kingdom to come full in its fullness, right? right. So Romans 8. Yes. I feel a little bit like the Jews probably still do. They're waiting for the fulfillment of the Messianic covenant in the Old Testament. And mm. I, I feel a bit of that longing of like the world sucks sometimes. Things are hard. People are dying. People are in pain. Like why can't Jesus come back and just, you know, fix those things? And so I do have a deep sense of longing as well as hope mm. for what's coming next. And I do think the one thing that the Jesus died to save me from my sin gospel kind of didn't have was mm. a bit of a sense of pain for me because that just like solved all my problems because Jesus took my sin away. Whereas right. learning about the beauty and the hope of uh, of the kingdom and of new creation has left me with a bit of a like, oh, I just want to be there. Like I just right. want to be in that kingdom. Yeah. So there is a bit of pain, I guess, that comes with it as well. So sorry about that, welcoming you into my <laughs> pain and my longing. But I do think it is a much more beautiful, full, right. true to the biblical story picture. Yeah, there's just so much more. Mm. Yeah, so much more. I think for me, it speaks to my purpose and identity as a human as well. So I'm invited into the kingdom, mm-hmm. which for me is just so much more exciting than I'm going to go to heaven one day when I die, because mm-hmm. it's a few, it, like that's just a future reality. Whereas what we're talking about with the kingdom mm-hmm. is a here and now reality. Yeah. I get to participate in it. Mm-hmm. I have a sense of purpose and a sense of calling to be a part of what God's doing in the world. And this idea of participating in kingdom is not just exciting, but it it also reveals that perhaps this very narrowed perspective of Jesus just died to save me from my sins is 
maybe even boring. Mm-hmm. Like there is just more to it than that. Um, yeah. And perhaps some could even say that it's safe. Mm. Like we're not saying that Jesus died on a cross, saved mm. from his sins is wrong. Not in mm. any way. It's the truth, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But it's the safe truth. Mm. Like if that's all there is, yeah. then yeah, you're right. Like where's that excitement? Where's mm. that participation, that kind mm. of God um, that we see throughout scripture that's inviting us to work with him and to be co-rulers with him? Yeah. Where yeah. is that kind of God gone, you yeah. know? So true. Did you feel a little bit heretical saying that the gospel, the old way of viewing the gospel was boring? Did that, did that feel hard to say? I was like, boring. I was like, maybe can I even, say that? Yeah, seriously. But you know, it's fine. We can wrestle yeah. and we can, we can have more questions. We can. It's fine. It is so fine. And it is okay to not be necessarily where we're at on this yet. If this is the first <laughs> time you are hearing this, then let us encourage you to keep asking questions, yes. to keep wrestling. like To keep, cry. Yes. Just cry. Because yeah. <laughs> I cried for like years about how this was just messing my mm. mind up, that there could yeah. be more. Yeah. But I think for me, like I get bored easily, right? And so I don't want to find myself searching for things that aren't there. Mm. But for me, there was something missing about my sense of purpose and calling and participation in what God's doing in the world that was missing from mm. the Jesus died to save me from my sin version of the gospel. And I think this for me just like blows my mind that God yeah. is inviting us to participate in what he is doing. Like, mm-hmm. why would that be God's plan? That seems nuts to me. Why does God stupid. want me to be a part of it? Stupid. <laughs> so stupid. And yet that's the invitation. And that's mm-hmm. the, that's the invitation of the gospel. Right. Is not just that we get to go to heaven one day when we die. And we will talk in a later episode oh. about our future reality. Seriously. Because it's so cool. It the, is cool. The invitation is here and now mm-hmm. to work with God. That's nuts. Yeah. So nuts. Absolutely bonkers. But truly, we want to encourage you to keep asking questions. Mm-hmm. That's right. If you're not at the point that we are, because I'm, I wouldn't even say that I'm really at a point. I'm just really <laughs> confused still. But, you know, it's fine. We can actually hold space. Mm. Our classic line of, what would you call it? A good motto for this yes. podcast would be holding space, mm. room for tension, because we don't have it all together. Mm. And we're never going to understand. But, you know, what? We can, we can wrestle with these things. So keep yep. questioning. Yeah. Keep trusting in Jesus. Absolutely. So please join us in our next episode, which will be unpacking what it looks like to live in the kingdom as Mm. kingdom people and as we begin to explore this false dichotomy of justice and salvation. Mm. I know. Giddy up, I say. Let's go. And we will see you next time. Bye. Episode 2 has dropped.